You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Good morning. So this is Pentecost Sunday, the day that we celebrate and remember these events that are told to us in the book of Acts, chapter 2. Do you remember the first time you ever heard this story? For some of us, if we've grown up in the church, we heard it so long ago that um, maybe it's familiar and, and we forget you know, how crazy it might seem if you're hearing it for the first time. For some of you, maybe this is the first time you've actually heard it through this video this morning. These are some pretty amazing events um, that we, we can't just sidestep, we can't just overlook, and, and they're incredibly important to us. This morning we're going to look at the words of Jesus uh, several weeks before this event took place to help us understand what was going on. But before we get to that, some of you are looking at me and you can't think anything other than, didn't she just have a baby? I have not seen that baby yet. I wonder what that baby looks like. And so friends, I am here to show you my baby. Yes. (laughs) This is Austin Gabriel Levine. He was born March 18. For those of you that want the statistics, he was 20 inches long and eight pounds and 15 ounces. He is an incredible joy. Um, He is an answer to prayer. He is a gift from God. And we are absolutely, absolutely enthralled with him. And we are rejoicing that we have a church body to share him with. Um, We have great people that have come alongside us and want to love us and take care of him and take care of us. And so we are grateful. We are grateful. Thank you. If you haven't met him yet... Don't fear, he will be here for a long time. So you have many opportunities, all right? So with that out of the way, that burning question taken care of, let's turn to chapter uh, 14 of John, John chapter 14, and we'll start in verse 15. While you're turning, let me give us some context here. This is uh, right at the end of Jesus' life. We have already come through the Last Supper uh, where Jesus washes his disciples' feet And we are headed towards the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is going to be betrayed and turned over to the Romans to be crucified. And in uh, Jewish literature of that day, uh, this is a portion of the book of John that would be known as the Farewell Discourse. Now, let's be clear, that's something that the author used in writing. It's not something that Jesus said, okay, now disciples all sit down, I'm going to give you my Farewell Discourse. But in the, in the authorship of the book, this is that segment of scripture that is Jesus' final words, his final instructions, some of the most important things that he wanted to tell to his disciples happen in these, in these last chapters of the book of John. And this is where we find him talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. So let's turn to uh, chapter 14, verse 15, and let's begin reading there. He says, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. 
Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Let me pause right there and just talk about this question of Judas. C.S. Lewis has this great quote that sometimes we as humans, when we're trying to figure out these mysteries of God, we ask questions like, God, is yellow round or square? And um, can you also tell me, God, how many hours are in a mile? Well, it's not that we shouldn't ask questions. It's not that God doesn't want to answer our questions. It's sometimes we're asking a question that doesn't really make sense. And in this scenario, Judas is asking a question thinking that, God, Jesus, don't you want to reveal yourself to the whole world? Aren't you laying out a strategy of how to convince everyone that you are the Messiah? And Jesus is saying that that's not really what we're talking about here. That's not the strategy. We're talking about a way that I can live in my disciples after I'm gone. It's not about revealing myself to all, all of the world in the way that you want me to, Judas. It's about empowering you so that you can reveal me to the rest of the world. It's a good question. It's an important question. But we need to see that, that this is what Jesus is talking about, not... Not a grand uh, revelation in the way that they thought it should happen. So let's, let's get back to what Jesus is saying. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. See, Jesus knew what was going to happen. He knew that he was about to leave. He was about to die, and he'd been trying to communicate this to his disciples, but it was difficult for them to really absorb this information. Jesus knew that they would feel like orphans. He knew that they would feel defenseless and forlorn, forgotten. And so he was trying to prepare them for when that happens, don't, don't, don't worry, have peace. This is one of those ways in which Scripture tells us that he knows what we need before we ask. Jesus is preparing his disciples for what they need long before they know they need it, before they really even know what's happening. And he promises a helper that will stay forever. He says, another helper. Jesus is a helper as well. He came uh, to help, to show, to teach. But his time frame with them was pretty short, just a couple of years. What Jesus is now promising is something that will never go away. And how powerful is this concept? All of us have people that have gone on, have died, that we would really love to continue a relationship with, right? My own grandmother, my dad's mom, died just a few days before I turned 12 years old. 
And uh, she was an amazing woman. She had a song for everything. She would just break out into song no matter what we were talking about. And it was usually a song I had never heard of. But somehow it tied in with whatever the conversation was. She was an incredible cook. She cooked scores and scores of meals. Uh, And, I mean, literally when she would come to our house for Christmas or Thanksgiving, her trunk, her wheels would be like, you know, sagging with the weight of all of the food that was in her trunk. And presents, of course, too. I liked that part as well. She was also raised by an alcoholic father and uh, had an incredible journey with the Lord through that experience. She taught Sunday school at Youngstown Church of the Nazarene in Ohio for 38 years, an adult Sunday school class. She was a pastor, really, to a group of people for a very long time. And there are many occasions in which I walk by a picture of her or I see something in, in my home that belonged to her and I think, man, I would love to ask Grandma this question. You know, she raised four sons. I have a son now. I'd love to talk to her about that. Or, you know, Grandma never used a recipe for all of the amazing things that she cooked. We don't have a single recipe. So could you tell me, Grandma, how to make these cookies? Because I, I really miss those cookies. Grandma, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor now and... Um, You taught for 38 years. Could you share with me some of that? I I would love to sit and learn and listen. I never really got to ask her those questions because she died when I was young and, uh, you know, I, I wasn't an adult yet. I didn't relate to her on that level. And I think for all of us, if we've lived long enough to lose someone that we love, we have this experience of just wanting to have a conversation again. I just wish that I could talk to you again. I wish that I could hear your voice. I wish I could have your thoughts on this. And Jesus knows that his disciples will want the very same thing. And he gives them that gift. You can talk to me again. I will come to you. I'm not going to leave you forever. There is someone who will continue to speak to you in my voice. In fact, it is my voice. He will remind you of all the things that I've said to you. And he will give you peace. But what's amazing about this gift of the Holy Spirit is that it's not just like Jesus coming back as a friendly ghost to to give advice or to have a friendly chat. Jesus says that on this day, when you realize... Uh, talking about the the day that the Holy Spirit comes, talking about Pentecost. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and that you are in me and I am in you. Okay, that's kind of confusing, confusing there, but Jesus is in the Father and that Jesus is in us as disciples and that we are then in him. So if you do kind of a Venn diagram, there's all of these intersecting circles which basically means that not only do we have some distant communication that we're calling up a ghost to come talk to us in the voice of Jesus, but that the spirit that he's leaving with us is somehow mysteriously, wonderfully bringing us into a tight, united union with God himself, dwelling, living in us. Jesus says you will know him because he's with you right now. 
meaning Jesus himself. He's with you right now, but one day in the future, not only will he be with you, he will be in you. This is pretty powerful language. This spirit that Jesus is leaving, that Jesus is giving, will be in his believers, in them, in us. He uses a really fascinating word to describe the role uh, of this spirit. And it's parakletos. Some of our versions of scripture, what we read today, says advocate. Some translators use counselor, encourager, comforter, helper, teacher, or tutor. All of those words fall into the category of parakletos. But not any single one of them tell us the whole story. It's one of those words that is so rich in meaning and can mean so many different things that any one English word doesn't quite do it justice. Basically, literally, what parakletos means is a person who is called in to help in time of trouble or need. So there's some examples in ancient literature that use this Greek word. One is an advocate in court, kind of like a lawyer, who would come to the scene, uh, to come to the courtroom and would advocate, would speak on defense of this other person. Or even uh, an expert witness who would you know, give expert advice in the courtroom. There's also a use of parakletos that includes a person who's coming to encourage people in battle. Uh, If you were fighting a battle for a long period of time and your regiment was kind of defeated and weary and you needed some, some oomph to get back out there, they would call in a parakletos. Sometimes it might be a comedian. Sometimes it might be a person from a higher rank that would just kind of stir up the troops and get them encouraged and energized again, get them laughing, get them cheering on, a little bit like a cheerleader. If you've ever cheered on the thunder, you may be a parakletos. Jesus says that the spirit that comes is a parakletos, coming to give what we need in time of need or trouble. One of the best pictures I can think of of a parakletos is from the movie Lord of the Rings. Are you familiar with this movie or maybe the books? Frodo is a hobbit uh, who has been given an incredibly difficult task. If you're familiar with the story, you remember that there's a ring of power that all of the different races across the world are fighting for and it's really threatening to to end civilization as everyone knows it. And, uh, and he is the one, somehow, he is the one who has been charged with destroying this ring. And the only way that it can be destroyed is if it is thrown into the fires that it was forged from on Mount Mordor. And so as he's traveling, he has kind of a little group of people that are trying to help him. And at a certain point towards the end of the movie, he realizes, you know what? This ring is going to destroy them too. And I just, I need to go off and do this alone. So at the end of a battle in the woods, he walks out of the woods by himself. He finds himself on, the, on a shoreline and gets into a boat and decides, I'm just going to go the way, I'm just going to go by myself. I have to be the one to do it. I'm just going to swallow and let's go. 
And as he's leaving the shore, his friend Samwise Gamgee is running through the forest, calling out for him, Mr. Frodo, Mr. Frodo. And from the, the, in the boat, Frodo says, Sam, stop following me. I have to go to Mordor alone. And I love this line. Sam leaves the beach and he's running into the water and he says, I know, but I'm going with you. Which means, Sam, he's not really going alone. But I know, I'm going with you. Well, Sam can't swim and so he starts falling into the water and Frodo comes back and pulls him into the boat and they're both crying and I'm crying and everyone's crying if you have any heart at all while you're watching this movie. And Sam says, Frodo, I was told, don't you leave him, Samwise Gamgee, and I don't intend to. I don't intend to. And the rest of the movie, the rest of the other movies too, (laughs) they're side by side. As his friend, as his encourager, as his helper. Like Frodo, we have a very daunting task. The reason Jesus sent us this parakletos is because he passed on his work to us. This work of preaching the good news to the poor and healing and redeeming, bringing all things under the kingdom of God. This is the task that's been given to us. And so we have a holy Samwise Gamgee running to us saying, you're not going to do it alone. But there's a huge difference between us and Frodo, and Frodo's paraclete and our paraclete. Because Samwise Gamgee had never been to Mordor before. He had no idea where they were going. He just knew that he wasn't going to let Frodo go alone. He had no additional information to give Frodo about their task or how they should go about doing it. And our paraclete, the paracletos, the helper, the counselor, the encourager, the one who will never let us go alone, that Jesus gives us, has already done it before. Everything that we are being called to do as the people of God, he has done it. He is the experienced teacher who's showing us the way who's empowering us to do things that we could have never imagined we could do. In fact, things that we can't do on our own. The gift of the Holy Spirit allows the church to live out our calling. And in fact, we can't even begin to start living out our calling unless he is the one guiding us, empowering us, helping us. Jesus says that the Spirit, our paraclete, will remind us of everything that Jesus has taught us. And he will continue teaching us, tutoring us in the way of God. If I'm a disciple, I might think, wait, Jesus, time out. You've been teaching us for three years. You mean there's still more that we need to learn? Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's a lot more. The Holy Spirit can't teach us everything that we need to know in three years or ten years or a lifetime because what we're learning is infinite. What we're learning is the very heart of God 
so he has a job of continually teaching us. And as he's walking with us, as he's filling us, as he's teaching us, we are given some amazing gifts of confidence, of peace. How could we not have a sense of confidence and clarity about life? When we finally come to understand what Jesus is saying about I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you, that we are totally, mystically, amazingly united with God and he is, he is literally not just like somewhere around the room but his own spirit is in us, that is mind-boggling. How does that not produce an incredible amount of energy and excitement and confidence and passion to do this task that we are called to do? So in my mind, the event of Pentecost, yes, a mighty rushing wind and fire coming on people's heads and them spontaneously being able to speak languages that they never could speak before, it's kind of a crazy story. But if we understand who this spirit is and why he is given, it totally makes sense. I would start preaching spontaneously. You would start preaching spontaneously. Maybe not in words like Peter did, but with our lives. If we understood, when we understand that the Holy Spirit, the very presence of the almighty powerful God is filling us. And then they were given gifts to enable them to do what God had called them to do. Gifts that they had never had before. I think one of the things that amazes me the most about this story and about Jesus' words about the Holy Spirit is the fact that, that it's a gift. Growing up in the Nazarene church, like some of you as well, uh, there were times that I was a little bit confused about the Holy Spirit and how this all came to be. There were times that I felt like if I just prayed at the altar for five more minutes, then the Holy Spirit would come. Or if I could think of just one more thing that I needed to surrender. I feel like I've surrendered everything, God, but maybe if I just think of one more thing that I can surrender, then your Holy Spirit will come. Or, Lord, if I do this, then. If I do this, then. That gets us into dangerous territory because nowhere in this passage does Jesus say anything about the Holy Spirit being a reward for our own efforts. He just says that the Father will give this gift. And it needs to be a gift that's received, a gift that's opened. There are things that we do in response, but it's not something that we earn or work hard to get. It's a gift. This past week, a friend of mine named Catherine was celebrating her son's second birthday. His name is Simeon. And uh, she posted on Facebook, of course, all of these pictures from his birthday party, and one picture really caught my attention. I'll show it to you. This is Simeon, two years old, 
and they're about to start opening presents and she said, I title this picture Expectation. And then she said, if only you could see his face. And as I was praying and preparing, this image stuck with me. A picture of expectation. A picture of waiting, our fingers itching to open the present that God is giving us. Sometimes we do have to wait to open gifts at a birthday party. Sometimes Jesus asks his disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait for the gift that the Father will give you. But are we waiting? Are we ready? Are we expecting? Are our fingers itching? Can we not... We're sitting on our knees so that we're ready to jump up at any second and open the next box that presents itself to us. Are we looking for it? Are our hearts ready, hungry, ready to receive this incredible gift that God is giving? The gift of a person to walk beside us. A person who knows everything we need to know a person to encourage and to strengthen and empower, a person that brings us into the very heart of God himself, that unites us fully with him. We might not experience the same events of Pentecost. In fact, Jesus, uh, I mean, God hardly ever does the same thing twice. There are very few people, actually we only know about one, that encountered God in a burning bush. So the Holy Spirit might not come with rushing wind and fire landing on our heads and everyone jumping out and speaking in a different language. But when we are aware, on that day when we realize, as Jesus said, that this gift of the Holy Spirit is ours, that we can open and live in him and that he lives in us, on that day, there will be the same energy and excitement and joy and confidence and power that there was at Pentecost. The fire and the wind and the speaking in language, that may have been a one-time event, but, but the Holy Spirit coming to believers who are expectantly waiting for him is not a one-time event. Remedy is going to come for us in a minute and... Um, and lead us again. And as we close this morning in prayer, I want to draw your attention to some things on the walls over here. And over here. On Wednesday night, we had a prayer service and encouraged people to uh, relate to the Holy Spirit as encourager, counselor, or helper, each of which describes an area of how he is a, a helper, a paraclete for us. And this morning it might be helpful for you to respond in this way. To think about how you would receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. Remember that God knows what we need before we ask for it. Do you need a counselor? Do you need encouragement? Do you need help in any kind of time of trouble? Do you need 
help to do this task that God has called us to do as his church, it's there. So this morning as we close, the altars are open, but the walls are also open. I would encourage you to write a little note and stick it on there. Maybe not a note of asking, maybe a note of receiving. Last night and this morning in preparation for this message, I had to give a prayer of receiving. God, I know you know what I need to preach. I know that you have promised to empower me and to speak. I receive that. Are we ready to receive the gift? Would you stand together and let's pray. Father God, we are grateful. Grateful doesn't even cut it. We are overwhelmed when we think about the enormity of this gift that you've given us. Your own presence, not just with us, but in us. Holy Spirit, move. Help us to be aware. Get us excited with a spirit of expectation about what you want to give to us. And now we stand with open hearts and open hands and we are ready to receive. We are ready to receive you. Amen. Let's pray together. Sweet.
You're free to stay and pray as long as you'd like. Prayers of receiving, receiving the promise of the gift that God wants to give us. But before you leave, I want to send you with a blessing, a benediction, some good words. So I bless you in the name and the power of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I pray that you would go from this place being filled with the knowledge of his love and his presence in your life that empowers you, that helps you, that enables you to do what he is calling you to do. And would you be filled with the confidence, the clarity, the energy, the excitement that comes from knowing the very God of the universe is living in you. Go in his great name to do his good work, empowered by his good spirit. You are dismissed. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.